and all of a sudden I hear this pop and I'm like, what is that noise? And I look out the window and my ski bag was flying off the top of the bus. So we pull over and of course my ski bag got run over by two semi trucks. And I swear to you, they were carrying loads of lumber. It wasn't just like, oh, I got hit by a semi truck. It was like, oh, it's like semi truck carrying bricks. You know what I mean? Hey folks, welcome to the show. I'm usually the host, Mason Gravely, but today's a throwback episode, so we're going to be talking to Travis from a few years ago when he interviewed Claire Smallwood about free skiing. And if you don't know Claire, Claire is awesome. She is the executive director of She Jumps, which is a nonprofit committed to increasing participation of women and girls in outdoor and you know outdoor sports and adventure sports. Amazing organization. I highly recommend you check them out. She jumps, and Claire is just an incredible person. So they're going to be talking about all that. And before we jump in, I, I just did want to say thank you so much for listening. There's a lot of shows you could listen to out there, but you know you chose this one to listen to today, and we couldn't uh, we couldn't thank you enough. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Yeah, get inspired for your next adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Travis. Today on the line with me is Claire Smallwood. She's a free skier as well as a private chef and the executive director and co-founder of SheJumps.org. This is a nonprofit organization dedicated to getting women and girls into the outdoors and that teaches them the skills they need to thrive. She currently resides in Alta, Utah, where she's also a sous chef at the Wildcat Chalet. Claire, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Thank you so much, Travis. I'm so happy to be here. We were just talking pre-interview. The weather in Colorado is setting in quick to become full-on summer. It's gotten up to 94 degrees already, and it's too soon, too much too soon. So I think it's going to be fun to talk about a little bit of powder and, and free skiing with you. So I'm pretty uh, pretty stoked to, to dive into that. Sounds good. I mean, yeah, powder is always on the mind for anybody that's ever experienced it, I think. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, so let's dig into your background a little bit. Uh, give people an idea uh, who Claire Smallwood is and how it is you became a skier. Did you start uh, young or where is it later in adult life? Well, so I was born in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, I'm a fifth generation New Mexican. My mother's side of my family are ranchers. So the sense of outdoorsy people is a different, little bit different in my background. My, you know, um, mom was on a horse every day of her life until she was 18 and went to college. So when I was growing up, um, the outdoors was definitely more just hiking and walking around and nobody in my family really skied. Um, my parents had divorced when I was young and when my dad remarried, um, my stepmother dot, she's actually from England she learned how to ski in Norway when she was just traveling around Europe when she was younger. And she decided to take my older brother Joey and I skiing when I was five and he was um, seven. So that was the first time I ever went skiing and I fell in love with it right away. Um, I loved just going down the mountain between her legs, like, you know, holding onto the ski poles kind of thing. And really, you know, just because no one in my family was really into skiing um, and also it's obviously a really expensive sport, I didn't really get a chance to do it that that often after five years old. So when I fast forward to when I was in fifth grade, 
the Santa Fe school system had a subsidized skiing program. Um, and you could pay 15 bucks and go skiing uh, and skip like a Friday of school and go skiing like four different times in the winter. That was, <laughs> no brainer. Yeah, it was an amazing <laughs> program. And that really set me up in so many ways for my life. I, I, you know, obviously you don't know that at the time, but looking back, it's a lot easier to, to see that. But what I figured out when I was skiing and that program was that you just saw different sides of people, you know, and then you could really be friends with anyone from any background. Like you could have a friend that's like an old lady on the chairlift and you're 10 years old and you're just, you know, you're just there. You're everyone's just like screaming down the mountain, having fun. So that was when I really got into skiing. And when I was, I think by the time I was 12, my parents noticed that I was, that was what I was spending all my allowance on. I mean, I was babysitting everything I could do to be able to go skiing. And my, my dad was not really that into it. He didn't like the fact that he was seeing me get like so obsessed with this sport that seemed very dangerous and all this kind of stuff. And my older brother was getting, was also a very, is a very, very talented skier. So, and he was like, you know, ditching high school and stuff to go skiing. So my dad kind of laid the hammer down and was like, all right, if you want to go skiing, you have to pay for it yourself and you can only go one time a week, you know? And I was, it was devastating for me, but at the same time, it didn't really stop me. I just decided, all right, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm so dedicated. So basically I would save all my money, but just buy day tickets. I didn't have enough money for a season's pass. So I would do that all the time. And meanwhile, you know, of course, like on the powder days and stuff, I would think, oh my God, I want to go, but I already went on Saturday and I can't go on Sunday. And this is where a really great thing comes into play, which again, sets me up for like the whole she jumps experience later on in life, which is my best friend, Cha, or short for Charlie, his mother, Mary would actually show up. um, She'd actually call my parents and she claims that she did this, although I don't really, I don't know how much I remember her doing this, but I do remember this happening once where she would call and say, John, my dad, you know, we're, I have to take the kids to this museum exhibit. It's very important. And so he would, and then she'd tell me, just leave your ski stuff out by the garage, you know, we'll it. <laughs> and so I would hop in and go and go up to the mountain with them. And she'd buy my lift ticket. And she really just, she just was like a second mom to me. Um, it was amazing. And basically, you know, I mean, I, I was a great kid in school, straight A's, you know, didn't ditch any classes to go skiing. And I just loved skiing. It was like an obsession for me from that moment on. As soon as I had that feeling of like, I'm doing this on my own. I own it. This is my thing. No one can take this away from me. I, I just was totally in love. So then when I went to college, I based my decision on going to a good school, but also one that was within skiing distance. So I went to Lewis and Clark. I became the president of the ski and snowboard club there, mostly because I, again, like I didn't have a car. So I needed to figure out a way that I could be front and center for getting a ride to the mountain. <laughs> Very selfish, but at the same time, I knew that the community, again, of skiing was what was so important to me. I liked the identity of a skier or a snowboarder. I liked that feeling of being known as that, and that was my that was my tribe. So when I was in college, I, I skied. I set up my schedule so I could ski Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, um, you know, I definitely sacrificed, I think, a good portion of social aspects just because I was so driven to ski. And again, I never raced a gate in my life. So I didn't, I wasn't training for anything in particular. And it was when free skiing competitions kind of came to light for me when I thought that's the kind of thing I want to compete in. So I went and started competing in 2005. And I went, my first competition was in Taos, New Mexico. So it was the first time Ski Taos had ever hosted a competition. And it was just this totally 
eye-opening, inspiring experience for me because my older brother, Joey, was there. Um, he was the one that had convinced me to go. He's like, Claire, you're so good. You're going to win. You're going to, you're the best, you're the best girl I've ever seen, you know, and just so sure that he's going to win, that, that I was going to win. And so I show up just like very cocky and like ready to go. And all of a sudden I see all these other women there and I got really, really intimidated and scared. And I was 19 and I just thought, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? And you know, what ended up happening was, again, it was the community that was there was nobody really cared about how well anybody did. It was all about just cheering people on. And um, that was when I first met Lindsay Dyer, the co-founder of She Jumps. Um, so that was a huge thing for me. And obviously I'm, I've, I'd looked up to her quite a bit and I and there I am competing against her. Um, so it was, that was a little bit scary at first, but again, you just kind of break people, break down this idea of like this big, scary world of like competition and skiing by realizing everyone's there just to ski powder or have fun and push each other and, and take risks. And I just really loved that sense of that. So that's what really, I mean, starting from that school subsidized school skiing program, fast forwarding to taking that leap of like, okay, I'm going to go and like put myself out there and I'm going to compete in this sport and realizing that the, at the end of the day, it really is about community was what really kind of brought things full circle. And at that event, something really special happened, which is that Jim Jack rest in peace. Uh, he was a very close friend of my brother and I's, he actually created an award for my brother and I, uh, Jim Jack was the head judge of the international free skier or of the, free skiing world tour at the time when he was also the president at some point of the international free skiers association. So he was kind of just, he was the mayor of free skiing. Um, anyway, so Joey, my brother and I have been screwing so loud at this competition. Um, sorry, it's kind of a long story, but I guess right. That's the bio. Uh, Joey and I were screaming so loud at this competition and just like our stoke levels were so high. It was out of control that Jim Jack, when he was doing the awards, I ended up in sixth place at the competition and my brother was in fifth. So we didn't make the podium, quote unquote, but, you know, we were just still really excited and he was giving out the awards and he goes, I can't go any further without honoring these two people and for their amazing spirit and all this great things. And I'm wondering who's going to say, and then he calls my brother and I up there and he gives us this beautiful, just kind of like honoring this moment of saying like these people embody the spirit of the skiing community and what we all should aspire to in terms of positivity and supporting each other. And it was a, I mean, it was one of the most proud moments of my life to be honored like that. And again, it, it just reinforced this sense that it's not about how good you are at skiing. It's about being a part of, of the community. And um, what's really cool about that is that the award has since gone on to be the Tobias Lee spirit award um, my brother and I met Tobias Lee that year at the competition, and unfortunately, his life was claimed by an avalanche just a year later. So he won the Spirit Award, though, right before he died. And it's just so cool that that started with us as a kind of a little crew and that family I'll, I'll never forget. So I was in 2005. I graduated college in 2007. I had met Lindsay. I started to meet Vanessa and again, just kind of kept competing and skiing, moved to Alta as soon as I graduated high school and started to, you know, just get out there as much as I could shoot photos, uh, video, um, travel to South America to ski year round. Um, and all the while continuing to build this concept of she jump. So um, I think that mo <laughs> the, sh the short version of the story is getting involved from a really young age and realizing that, you know, if, if you don't have role models to look up to and you have to create those role models, then 
you know, your the value of of that sport and experience in the outdoors is just become so much more um so much more uh, valuable. And then on top of that, if you can create those role models for other people or be a role model, then it it just makes the world go round. Yeah, no doubt. Well, man, I mean, the the passion about skiing uh, or the passion for skiing just kind of rolls out of you. That's awesome. Do you think that, you know, you started pretty young. Do you think this starting young and then the school program you were involved in, do you think that really drove you? Would you have had this amount of passion had you not uh, had that opportunity as a child? Uh, I, I, I do think so. But I think it for me, it was about that experience when I was, um, when I was at the school skiing program, I don't think that learning how to ski when I was five, even though it was this like distant memory and this feeling of having fun, I didn't quite, again, I didn't really have access. So it, it was like a great initial experience. And I had that muscle memory of being five and learning and being 10 and being able to pick it back up. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it just really came down to that sense of like, motivation, if you will, of what I think really drives people. And I didn't really understand what ski racing was, which is kind of funny. I just saw people scraping powder off runs and I literally was skiing by myself. I mean, I would, you know, get a ride up to the mountain with someone and just ski by myself all day long. And nobody was there to tell me what ski racing was. So I was thinking, (laughs) what are those people doing? You know, not realizing that it's friends of mine from school and stuff. They're just like, I don't recognize them. So again, I think it comes back more to the motivation of being like, oh, this is my thing. And I really want to just have fun doing it. And then eventually realizing that the more you can have more fun, the better you are. And then kind of letting that drive you to, to improve from there. Yeah, right. Well, plus you're as you're a kid, you're uh, you're so damage proof at that point. Just crashing and burning doesn't mean anything to you. I remember when uh, when I was a kid, I probably started skiing about nine or or ten. And for us, there was no lessons, like you said. You know, skiing is has always been a, a fairly expensive thing to get into. Uh, so we would have enough money to go skiing, but you know, forget lessons, just point your hill, your skis downhill and go for it. So that's for the first few years, that's all we ski is just pretty much straight downhill. We get to the bottom and, you know, shower everybody with snow and then we get on the lifts and do it all over again. Then we finally realize that you're supposed to turn and, and have fun with it. But, but yeah, what a great experience. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes we get really caught up in like making fun of people, you know, we call them like, you know, beaters or whatever, like, Oh man, can you look at that person? Or like skiing in jeans is like a funny thing. (laughs) And I mean, I literally skied in jeans. Like when I was growing up, like when I didn't have, I mean, I wasn't going to stop me if I either couldn't find my snow ski pants or they didn't fit, or I was just going to keep going. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that that's definitely something it's more fun to just support people that are at least they're trying, you know, that's, that's a really cool thing. No doubt. Yeah. And the jeans always just became this frozen, uh, this frozen armor of ice anyways. <laughs> I Are remember you those put that days. Up, like, like, you know, for searching like Claire Smallwood skis and jeans. Cause that would be really yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to require a photo of it too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have those. Thankfully it was before digital cameras. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So let's talk about free skiing versus, uh, you know, downhill ski racing. Um, describe free skiing itself for people that might not know the the, the various uh, forms of skiing. Okay. So I think um, actually, so starting with the, like, okay, so there's the general concept of free skiing and then there's maybe like the sub subject, the subjects, the subtopics, if you will, of um, like free riding and like park skiing and big mountain. All of it comes from this idea that there are 
generally no rules. You're, you're using the entire mountain as your canvas and your playground, and you're not necessarily trying to like go between specific gates, which obviously is more downhill skiing, the type of thing that most people are exposed to via the Olympics or, you know, any kind of college teams and, and team racing. So that's definitely more of the quantifiable form of skiing as a sport. And so the free skiing movement of, you know, competitions has it's changed so much and at the same time hasn't changed at all since its inception. I mean, in the 90s. So that was when, uh, let's see, Lotsey Hawk and Sherry McConkey and Shane McConkey. Um, I'm pro- definitely going to forget all of the people that founded the International Free Skiers Association, but I think you can check it out at ifsa.org. Um, anyway, so basically they came together with this idea of, you know, there's these free skiing competitions that were happening organically. And it's this idea that you start at the top of the mountain and you're judged in several different categories, including your line score, uh, fluidity, style, aggression, and technique. And the rule back when I was competing was that your um, nothing could be any other score could not be more than two points higher than your line score. So if you had a line score of four and it's based out of um actually so sometimes it would be based out of five and sometimes it'd be based out of ten but say it was based out of five and your line score was a two then it means that you could no you could have no score that was higher than a four in any other category um and so basically it's this concept that you're trying to flash a line down the mountain ski as fast as smooth um as possible but also getting yourself into technical areas or hitting features so imagine it like a it's like a video game where you're starting at the top and you're trying to, you know, bop trees or go through trees and you're imagining little coins like, you know, gather up like ding, 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 ding as you're hitting any kind of feature. So anytime you're making a turn around a rock or jumping over a rock or straight lining something, you're ideally gaining points. Um, so that's kind of this general concept of it. But I think that where it's changed now is people are just so creative and, you know, now people are building these massive jumps on the, you know, in the big mountain competitions and, you're just seeing this whole new progression of the sport. Um, and it, and it all, a lot of the best skiers stem from that downhill skiing background though. So the two sports are really complementary of each other in the sense that, you know, you're, you, you can, you can be a good skier without having downhill ski, but you're going to have to work a lot harder to have the technique to be able to ski and control in those areas. And then I think on top of it, it's a mental thing as well. So you, when you're downhill ski training, um, you know, the downhill racers, solemn racers, et cetera, they just have incredible mental edge. And I think that that was something that I know I really struggled with when I was competing. It was not so much the mental edge of, oh, I could do that. I, I've got that. I'm confident. It was like this idea of when the, when the clock goes go of being able to be on your best no matter what, especially when the conditions can be really challenging too. Yeah, right. Imagine. So how about a a time on the mountain that you might consider your best day out there? You have a, a, quite a few years under your belt skiing at this point, starting so young. But was there one moment or one day that just really sticks with you as being the, the, the pinnacle of days being out there on the mountain? Um... Yeah. Well, there's like, there's so many, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to put, you know, one, one date to it. You know, I think that there's a saying that goes, it's like you get one good turn and and it's all about waiting for the next one. You know, you kind of don't really get to live in that moment so long. Yeah. Right. You're constantly seeking it, which is part of the journey and the experience. Um, I think the, the first thing, and I'll just like, I mean, of course I could sit here and mull over a million different options, but 
honestly, the the first the first thing that pops into my head is this day that I had. It was in Chile in 2011, and it was not epic snow, and it was not. Um, it was just a be- beautiful day, um, and I went ski touring with my now fiance, and it was the first time we had gone ski touring together. And I think it was just this sense that he didn't really know that much about me. And I never maybe didn't really know as much about him, but we kind of knew this idea of each other. And I decided I was going to, we were going to go and ski this thing called the, the pyramid face um, in Nevado State Chian, which is the uh, ski area in Southern Chile. Uh, well, so we access it from the ski area and then you have to ski tour quite a ways to get to the actual face that you're going to ski. And it just was this moment of me realizing like, this is she jumps. Like I was like, this is what I want to inspire other women to do. And it was because, you know, I mean, I just woke up and I said, we're going to go ski the pyramid face, you know? And I was like, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to take you there. And I was totally confident in it. And the skiing was again, not that great, but it was this feeling of, I earned it to get here, you know, and this feeling of like, I'm in South America. This is one of my most amazing, biggest dreams come true. I'm skiing this beautiful mountain. I'm watching the sunset in Chile and I'm going to ski all the way to our hotel. Like we could literally ski down the road to where we were staying. And I just, that was the moment, you know, where you're just like, okay, it doesn't always have to be deep powder. Um, you Sometimes it's, it is who you're with and it's where you are. And it's just deciding, you know, buy the ticket, take the ride and being like, all right, I'm going to go do that. And then doing it and being like, Oh, that was really fun. I want to go do that again. And then you go back to do it again and it's not nearly the same. So it makes you really appreciate being in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, that's important being in the moment. You know, I, I've thought about that more and more lately you know, with social media and everything. We, we feel it's necessary to stop and, and share that moment, you know, with, with others. And it almost, it just kind of breaks the moment. So there's always a uh, a balance between trying to truly enjoy the moment and hold it within your own memory and sharing a little bit of the fun you're having. So yeah. it's one of those times when you just, it sounds like you just uh, sucked it in and, and lived the moment at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'll never, you know, and, and it was before, I mean, no Facebook, right? Like, I mean, I don't have any access to that or to social right. media while I'm, I'm doing, I can take pictures if I want, but it's not this instant gratification of like, look where I am and look what I'm doing. It was just, yeah, it's like, that was for me. Like, there you go. No one's ever going to be able to see what I saw there. And that's fine. <laughs> it's- yeah, exactly. Well, that sums it up yeah. just perfectly. You know, it's, it's for you. Take that moment on and, and that's your moment. You don't need to have to share it. Just, just live in it, be in it, savor it. Yes, absolutely. Very cool. Well, let's talk about she jumps for a little bit. Um, you mentioned it a couple of times and I mentioned it in your intro. She jumps, uh, again, is a nonprofit, 501c3. Um, and the whole point of she jumps is to get women and girls into the outdoors. Tell us more about, uh, how it came about and, uh, what it is you intend to do and what you see the future of it being. Oh, the future question. I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, she jumps. It's been quite the journey. So I started it with, um, Lindsay Dyer, who's a big mountain professional skier, and Vanessa Pierce in 2007. So we officially incorporated in 2007. We got our 501c3 status in September of 2008. And the first four and a half years of our existence, um, we, we we were just driven by this sense and and why we started it was this sense that we knew that there was a lot, were a lot of women in the outdoors getting after it, getting 
really rad doing the same things that the guys were doing never getting the publicity never getting the stories told about them never getting the sponsorships or the support and having experienced that as well Lindsay um at a higher level than myself but um definitely having that experience of saying like hey like just because you know, I'm doing something that's different doesn't mean that it's irrelevant. Um, so our initial vision was to bring that community of women together. So we definitely did start with that upper echelon of athletes, like this idea that we wanted to bring together more professional or aspiring professional females and help to give them the tools that would help them be able to fulfill their goals and their dreams and therefore creating more role, role models. But, you know, essentially we weren't really that focused in that vision and I was still kind of just wrapping my head around, I mean, I didn't really realize how big, you know, she jumps could turn out to be one day. And I think we all just kind of treated it as this side project. And, you know, so of course you get out of it, what you put into it. So those first four and a half years, you know, we put our, we put all of our focus, you know, on one big event per year, which was where we would take um, boys and girls club kids skiing um, and from Salt Lake city up to Alta. So we take them skiing four times during the winter. And, you know, the whole idea was this this chance to link the passionate female community of skiers to this less fortunate community and show positive female role models and, you know, give back and get these kids outside. So that's where our roots, you know, first started in terms of our first program. And then these other programs would pop up where people would say, oh, I'm in, I'm in Portland and I really want to do a she jumps program. And we were like, okay, well, that sounds great. What do you want to do? You know, we were really like letting people paint, the canvas for themselves as to how the this organization spoke to them. And, and it spoke, I mean, I was inundated with emails really basically starting from 2010 to 2013, which in 2013 prompted this massive rebrand of our organization that didn't change the core of what we were doing, but we really restructured our program offerings. So now what she jumps is, <laughs> is much more focused. And we have um, what I'd like to say is, you know, structured, programming that helps people to really see how we fulfill our promise, which is to increase participation of women and girls in outdoor activities. So now we offer outdoor education events um, because at the core of what we always wanted to do, we realized was to help get more women outside. You know, it wasn't just about taking the pros and the semi pros and helping them feel good about themselves. We still want to do that. And we do through jumper profiles on our website, but you know, we really want to help people always be able to be a beginner. You know, I think that's a very important core value of she jumps. You can always jump in and try something new. So we do outdoor education events that help people learn basic skills to more advanced skills, everything from compass and navigation and train um, management to, you know, avalanche Abbey one and Abbey two courses for women specific courses. So little bit of everything in the outdoor education realm. And then we also host community initiative events, which are just ways that women can get together, meet new people to get into the outdoors with great way to meet people. When you move to a new town, find, you know, find she jumps. Um, you know, some, in some cases we offer ambassadorships for new places where we don't currently have programs and, you know, you can be the leader, the mover and the shaker, the person that's there saying, Hey ladies, like let's get together. Let's have fun in the outdoors. Let's learn stuff and let's give back. And that brings me to our third program offering, which is Wild Skills. I'm super excited about Wild Skills. It's a free day camp for girls under 18 to learn all season outdoor skills. So that's where we can take this community of women that we've mobilized and that are just, hey, I love the outdoors. I'm a skier. I'm a biker. I like to hike. Oh, I just got into this. I was a stressful investment baker and I'm done. I'm living in the mountains now. Whatever the story is, Wild Skills is our way to connect those people 
to young women, young girls that need access to seeing women owning it, knowing how to do things, being self-sufficient, all that good stuff. Um, and then our final program is called Get the Girls Out. And that's our fundraising program. It's super fun, festival-like atmosphere where girls and women can come together and have something for everyone, beginners to advanced. It can be skiing. It can be biking. We're looking at hosting a Get the Girls Out fishing and hiking event soon. So a little bit of everything. And again, at the, at the core of it, we're just like, hey, let's get more women and girls outside, however we can do that. And let's make sure that we're making a difference in our local communities while we do it. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Well, it's so cool to see little kids out there just starting to get immersed in the the world of adventure sports and just outdoor activities. Um, you know, so many times our kids are stuck in front of, you know, some sort of screen, you know, where there can be computers, tablets, TVs, and they don't get out enough for for you guys to be uh to doing be doing she jumps uh to specialize in in getting them introduced to all of the the wonder that the outdoor provides is is awesome good for you guys for doing that oh thank you so much well it's fun too <laughs> but I oh yeah no doubt <laughs> manage, uh 43 volunteers across the country so that's how much we've grown um it's pretty nuts so last year we hosted 154 events in 18 different states and we created over 3,000 new opportunities for women and girls to get outside. So wow. we did all that on a budget of about a hundred thousand dollars, which is kind of crazy. So we definitely are looking for support and we are, you know, but nothing seems to be stopping. I can't literally seem to stop communities from reaching out, which is great. You know, having people interested in getting involved is a wonderful, wonderful problem to have. Oh, absolutely. And you have the perfect passion to, uh, to share with those, with those girls and, and women to, uh, to get them excited about it too. So well, you know per- what the, perfect you person know what to the do secret it. is, right? What's that? I, um, I'm in part girafficorn. Do you know about the girafficorn? <laughs> I kind of do, but go, go ahead and tell the rest of the people I did read up. Well, on so, it. The, so the girafficorn is the she jumps mascot. And Lindsay Dyer dreamed it up, but it probably was already alive in all of us long before we knew it, like a star from the galaxy. Just kidding. But the girafficorn represents having your feet on the ground, but your head in the clouds above chaos and drama with a little bit of magic to get you through. So I I actually really do rely on the girafficorn spirit to keep me motivated sometimes. Just, I mean, not motivated. I'm obviously very motivated, but, you know, it can be easy to burn out when you're running a nonprofit and have other jobs and all this kind of stuff. But you know what, when you make a difference in people's lives, it's and and little girls see the giraffe corner and they get really excited about events. You know, you that's better than any kind of paycheck. You know what I mean? That's knowing that you're really making a big difference in someone's life. So it's, it's fun. <laughs> and the giraffe corner is magical and it just kind of makes people giggle. And that's what we're all about. That's great. Well, we all need a little bit of little giraffe corn inside us uh, to get through life for sure. Some people call it a uniraf. <laughs> you can call it that if you want, but we we call it a giraffe corn. So, and Vanessa and I. Um, so Vanessa is my best friend, co-founder of She Jumps, and we joke all the time because when we teach this boys and girls club ski program, you know, we often get stuck with the kids that are really having a tough time. You know, like they're just just not sports adept at all you know and so they're like trying to figure out the skiing thing and they're so frustrated and they want the hot chocolate and they don't just want to go inside and we're begging them to stay out 
Vanessa always look at each other and we go, we're going to giraffe a corn heaven. Just remember. <laughs> <You> know, so <laughs> if you buy giraffe a corn gear, you too can go to giraffe a corn heaven. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That's awesome. So what, uh, what kind of reactions do you get from the, from the young kids going through these programs or do you get feedback for, from some that have been through the program and are now adults or at least, you know, older and experiencing things out there on their own, you know, people, girls that you've given the jump start to, do you get um, some feedback from them? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there's this one girl that pops into my head right away. Her name is Diana and, um, Diana participated in our program from 2000. 10 until 2012. Um, and then now she's actually come back and volunteered and she's actually in pilot school right now. She's in flight school. So she's learning how to be a pilot. It's really great. She lives in Salt Lake city. And the cool thing about Diana is that she decided that she loved skiing just like I did and was like, you know what, I'm going to keep skiing. And it was, you know, all a lot of these other kids are like, Oh great. She jumps, gives us lift tickets and all of our gear and all that. And that's great. And we like to ski, but Unfortunately, the likelihood that they decide to go on their own and either buy the gear or source the gear out, and we offered op opportunities for them to get all that stuff at discount or hand-me-downs or however we can. We always try to support that kind of continuation through this particular skiing event. But Diana just, I mean, I never even really heard from her about her desire to do it. And all of a sudden, I see her at the hill on her own. She goes, oh, hi, Claire. And I'm, whoa, you're here. Like, Diana, what's going on? I mean, I've been seeing this girl grow up through high school she goes I'm just skiing by myself today you know and what kind of you know 19 year old Hispanic girl no one in her family skis she literally only learned how to ski from the she jumps program she takes the bus up there all by herself you know and and she goes skiing she bought herself a season's pass she goes skiing on the powder days just goes by herself she doesn't need friends or anyone to be like well no one wanted to go with me I don't go you know I just think that is the coolest thing um, to see someone doing that. Um, and then otherwise, unfortunately, with our wild skills program, it's still young enough. We haven't seen kids go, you know, through the whole program yet. But, um, you know, so far, I think that how we structure these wild skills programs and I'll um, send you over some photos. Hopefully you can post on the site. You know, we like these girls running around in tutus and they got face paint and they've got streamers tied in their hair and they're doing interpretive dancing and all the breaks between the activities you know, we're about affiliating fun with the outdoors. It's not about being serious. So I, I hope that people, they view the wild skills thing as not, oh, I already did that. I learned those skills, but I'm going to keep going back because it's so much fun, you know, and that's where we really want to make people realize that it's not about, you know, again, being the best person. You just have to be willing to get out there and have fun. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you make me want to be a giraffe cord <laughs> hearing all of that. I wish I were young enough and a girl so I can get involved. <laughs> you can wear giraffe corn gear, though. That's actually a huge source of fundraising for us on our website. Sweet. So you can be, a, I mean, that's, I tell people it's better than a puppy. You know, I don't, you know, single dudes, I, they go, oh man, Claire, how to, introduce me to some of your she jumps girls. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a dating service. I said, but <laughs> if you buy a giraffe corn hat, it's much less upkeep, much less expensive, much less commitment than a puppy. And I guarantee girls will talk to you. So there you go. Take that advice. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. Uh, get your, uh, get your very own giraffe corn hat and uh, you too will have uh, dates yeah, just <laughs> time to come. Guaranteed hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so where do we send people to go find out more about giraffe acorns and about she jumps and the programs you offer? 
Well, you can uh, go to our website at shejumps.org. And once you're on the website, you can click on the various regions on the map to get involved in a specific area. And then we have a link for the store as well. So we sell t-shirts and hats and chapstick. And we have a bunch of great partners as well. And actually on the website too, if you sign up for our newsletter, you can get access to amazing deals from our partners like Big Agnes, who we love. Um, if you sign up for our newsletter, you actually can get access to a 25% off Big Agnes coupon. So definitely worth checking out. And uh, again, you can get in to touch with regional representatives for your area or just find out about She Jumps in general. Oh, right on. Well, that's a sweet discount. We appreciate you guys and Big Agnes for throwing that one together. We all love Big Agnes out of Steamboat, Colorado. Uh, 25% is uh, no small piece of change. So go on and uh, get that newsletter and get yourself some Big Agnes goodies and check out what She Jumps does because you guys sound like you have an amazing program and I hope that you have uh, many, many years to come with it. So what what is it that you kind of envision She Jumps becoming? I mean, you guys have done a ton with it. So what is what does the future look like? I think it's really important. One of the biggest tenets of what we initially started She Jumps with was this idea of right, like jump in. Like we decided when we first started She Jumps, it was all about the manifest game, and the manifest game is where you sit around with your friends and you go, all right, like let's just pretend for a second. Okay, it's ten years from now. You wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you see? And then you kind of go from there and everyone else's dreams kind of play into yours and it's a fun, inspirational game. So my manifest for She Jumps and, and actually what our five-year plan is, it's not just a big dream. Um, you know, we want to be the go-to leading resource for outdoor education for women and girls in the United States. So what that means is we want to be offering low-cost and free access to outdoor education events, which we are already doing. But we would love to see happen is um, having more curriculum involved. So for example, expanding all of our programs to just um, really firm up and, and just to firm up all of our, our curriculum, essentially. So this idea that, you know, you would go to She Jumps for um, not necessarily a certification, but a top level recognized um, educational event that will set you up for potentially a, a, a career in the field. If you're younger and you're thinking about becoming a guide, or if you just want to be really savvy, you know, you can take the She Jumps program. So that's step number one, be the leader. Um, you know, and then beyond that, I think what we really want to see happen is have She Jumps have these hubs where we are a community center. You know, we want to be a safe haven for girls of all abilities and backgrounds to um, have a physical space, um, as well as these known programs, like we said, with the curriculum where they can come and explore any kind of adventure or idea and have unlimited resources at their beck and call. So, you know, having foundational grants set up that help young women have opportunities to do those kinds of things to help a young woman like Diana, you know, get a season's pass if it's tough for her to, to do that. And yet she really wants to keep going with this expensive, expensive sport, how can we, you know, get more access to, you know, outdoor opportunities, not just education and programs through She Jumps. And then I think um, beyond all of that, you know, what we really want to be seeing happening is have She Jumps impact, have the impact of She Jumps. We use this phrase a lot in the nonprofit industry, move the needle. Um, our goal is to make, you know, what, what we want to call severe that's severe. I'm using I'm losing my my train of thought here a little bit. But basically we want to be creating impact in communities 
female communities that really need it the most for outdoor education or sorry, outdoor experiences, not necessarily education. So we want to be working with, you know, rape victims, domestic violence victims, um, women in transition, young girls from underprivileged youth. You know, that to me is where the outdoors has the most healing and therapeutic effect on people. And we want to be able to offer situations where those women and girls can come and they don't have to be identified as a victim or as anything other than just a person in the outdoors and giving them opportunities and creating structure in our programs that really allows us to alleviate that social burden and help our communities out in the best way we know how, which is to get outside and have fun. Oh, right on. Well, congratulations on what you have built and uh, as much luck as possible to what you guys are going to continue on in the future. That sounds awesome. Thanks. Okay. So we love to ask the question about a time when things didn't go right, the day when things went sideways. Do you have a fun story about something like that? Yeah, I've, I've got a great story. And if any of the listeners have um, been to Chile or are planning to go there for any sort of skiing experience, and hopefully they can actually see the end result of the story, but get there. So um, basically my first year I went to Chile, I was hired by Casa Tours to go down and guide um, a resort-based and side country ski trip. Never been to Chile before, but I was hired because I'm fluent in Spanish so, um, and skier obviously, and had experience, you know, doing not guiding per se, but just backcountry experience and general mountain and travel experience. So go down there and I'm, I'm, I'm already on the trip and I'm already at, you know, my flight gets canceled and I'm spending the night in the Atlanta airport, all that stuff, but whatever. I mean, everyone has that experience, that story, but basically what ends up happening is I'm on a bus to Chian. And I am sitting there talking to my friend, Chad, and all of a sudden I hear this pop and I'm like, what is that noise? And I look out the window and my ski bag was flying off the top of the bus on the Ruta Cinco, which is like, you know, the I-25 equivalent or whatever interstate you want. Um, like it was just flying through the air. I watched it do like three triple somersaults. <laughs> and I'm just like, I just like, you know, I mean, I don't know what to do. I just freeze and I'm can't even think of what the word in Spanish is to tell the driver to stop because I'm just losing it. Right. And so we pull over and of course my ski bag got run over by two semi trucks and I swear to you, they were carrying loads of lumber. It wasn't just like, Oh, I got hit by a semi truck. It was like, Oh, it's like semi truck carrying bricks. You know what I mean? It was like, Oh no. Injury. So basically what ends up happening is um, luckily my guiding partner, Travis was so brave and he, runs out to the um, road and he manages to grab the ski bag. So I'm like, Oh, maybe something's salvageable. You know, I'm first, first and foremost, I'm so glad it didn't hit somebody in a car because that could have been really, really bad. So luckily nobody was hurt. Travis gets the bag off the road. We open it up. Everything is demolished. I had two pairs of skis, um, two pairs of bindings, um, like all my like touring gear, ice axe, crampons, skins, shovel, beacon, probe, like everything is just demolished in the bag. Luckily I had my ski boots, not in the bag. Right. And basically, I mean, it ended up being this experience. I mean, I was, I had three, I was three days into my two month trip in Chile, you know, and I like my, and I'm there to ski. I'm there to work as a skier, you know? And I don't know down there. It's not, it, it's a lot easier now that this was like six or seven years ago. It's, um, 
it's really hard to find access to getting skis mounted or to, you know, like just good gear, safe gear, you know? So I was, I was pretty wrecked. I was upset. You could put it lightly, but you know, what ended up happening was, um, I was able to borrow a pair of skis from Chad. They were a pair of 192 black diamond zealot skis. So for any skiers listening out there, you know, I'm five, six. So they normally put a girl my size on like five, I mean, on like 170 length skis. Right. <laughs> I was skiing on 192s. Um, and they were like two by fours, basically. So I like couldn't turn. I just went straight down the mountain the whole time. And anyway, so I'm, you know, I'm, it was a huge bummer for me, you know, like travel insurance didn't even begin to re- like replace all the things that went wrong, you know, that, that got ruined and all this stuff. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, I'm like sitting there being such a victim, like, why me? You know, like, oh, I can't believe this and mad driver. And, you know, and then you're like, you know what? One day I'm going to look back and I'm going to laugh at this. So what I decided to do was take the one ski that was not completely ruined. I mean, AKA like cut in half basically. And I took it down to the local bar in Las Trancas, which is the village near Chian, the ski area. And I march it on down there with all our guests from the trip at the time and Travis and we bring it in there and they'd never had a shot ski before. So I <laughs> I made a shot ski where we did and and it was it was really wonderful. My dear friend uh Gatika owns the bar. He doesn't manage it anymore. So unfortunately if people go in there now, they still do have the shot ski there and you can see there's she jumps old she jump stickers all over it and there's been so many signed autographs that have been rubbed off and everything um and now it's like a whole new generation of signatures on there but that was the fun silver lining because basically that Shotsky uh people loved it in Chile it became a little bit famous like people were like you're the girl that brought the ski shot you know like that was that was cool because it was like something good to bring out of something that wasn't a good experience for <laughs> and I'm not encouraging taking, you know, shot skis necessarily, but you know, if you happen to be in Las Trancas and you see it there, I I I'd recommend just at least touching it, you know. Well, how can you pass it up, you <laughs> yeah, know? Exactly. From from a woman that knows how to turn lemons into shot skis, you have to uh you have to imbibe. <laughs> exactly. Why not? <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about pretty faces. I found that you were in a, a flick that that Lindsay Dyer had done. Um, and it was a bunch of women just bombing down the mountain, doing a little bit of free skiing. And, uh, it was Warren Miller-esque and it, I've, I've only seen the trailer, but I definitely want to check it out and uh, see what the rest of the film looks like. So tell me about that experience. Oh yeah. And absolutely. You, you should check it out. It, it is a wonderful, wonderful film. So my role in the film, um, I have a short part in the film. I definitely did a lot more behind the scenes work on the film um, it's the culmination of many years of e- long, long, long email threads between pretty much every female in the ski industry, it seems like. Um, at some point, you know, conversation sparked up that was just, it was, it's pretty obvious. I mean, really, if you've ever seen any ski movie, or, the conversation went like this. Hey, we really need to have our own ski movie, you know? This is, yeah, it's like, <laughs> how come was one woman in each ski movie, you know? And then on top of that, there's a whole iceberg of, uh, of, processes that go into deciding which female that's going to be and why isn't there more than one well because it's all about marketing dollars and companies giving money to you know support one particular person to be able to be in the movie I mean it's very very expensive there's no guarantee of you know return on investment as far as like 
paying for someone to be in the movie. You know, there's a whole laundry list of reasons why women just like weren't in these ski movies. And, you know, basically a lot of leading female skiers were just like, okay, we're over this. We're going to do something about it. And that conversation went on for a long time and there were a lot of really awesome ideas that started behind it. But I think Lindsay really reached a point where she's an incredibly creative person in general. She just is um, by nature and she's an artist And I think that she just had been in the industry for long enough. She just decided, if not me, then who? And if not now, then when? Um, But she really, um, I give her a lot of credit because, um, and this was one of my jobs within the film, was that a big, big component of it was send in your footage. Like, I want to see what you've created. You know, like, this is your movie, too. This isn't about, because we're not getting these big corporate sponsors to pay for this film we can tell whatever story we want and we want to tell the story of the skier girl. So it's this idea that, you know, everyone kind of comes from similar roots and backgrounds of somebody teaching them how to ski or some reason, something inspiring them to ski and these women that have gone before us. And it's a really wonderful story of that, again, of the community, that theme that kind of overarches and she jumps was involved um, because it was a, we basically launched the entire tour for the film. So I was in charge of, a lot, um, I think 14 tour stops. So I went around the country and showed the movie and emceed the movie, premiered it in front of a thousand people in Bozeman, um, to a completely sold out crowd. I mean, every single theater that we went to was sold out. Um, and then again, my role within it was just doing a lot of PR, a lot of reaching out to community members and saying, okay, you want to be in the movie? You've been talking about it time to send in a hard drive. So we literally had boxes and boxes and boxes of hard drives that had been sent in for the editing team to take a look at. And the editing team was all women. It was headed up by Hillary Byrne and Ali Rude. I mean, it was, a, and Sophie Danison. It was just the whole female push to get it out there was really staggering. And, um, and, you know, hopefully it's not the end of it. Lindsay plans to continue on in creating more uh, webisodes for Unicorn Picnic. And her whole idea is it's all about showing up. So UP Unicorn Picnic is the production company. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's again, it was a big overarching project, but the goal was in the end just to show that, you know, women can shred and that women are not going anywhere anytime soon in the ski industry. And in fact, we're just getting bigger and more powerful. So watch out. Watch out, world. Ladies, points <laughs> on skis coming for you. Nice. <laughs> well, the movie sounds like it's uh, inspiration in and of itself. I'll definitely have to check that out and uh, would definitely encourage others to to go see it as well. And and there's a little uh, there's a kind of a funny thing in the beginning, at least in the trailer. And it's it's the way the unicorn manages to uh, manifest the rainbow, which uh, it took me by surprise. So if that's not intriguing it. enough. <laughs> Again, go, go, that's just like Lindsay having fun. Like, you know, I mean, that's like you can't take yourself too seriously. I feel like all, a lot of, you know, this idea of like an extreme athlete or just people in general these days on social media, it's like everyone just takes themselves so seriously. We're about like the rainbows and the unicorns and (laughs) whatever else. I mean, actually we've got a plan this summer for filming, um, a, a, like a she jumps informational video and the, one of the storylines that came through from my wild skills director I, I read it and literally laughed until I had tears in my eyes. I mean, and it, that's just, you know, no idea is a bad idea. It's all on the table, you know, and if it, if it uses Enya's music, then, you know, that's going to be part of it. <laughs> it's got extra credit then, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. 
All right. So last question. This is the one we'll leave off on. Um, it, it, not not so much a question, but words of encouragement. Um, you're all about inspiring women to get out there. So what are some final words of encouragement to get people, uh, men and women, out into the outdoors and try something new? Huh, that's a that's a wonderful thing to end on. And and it's a I feel like what how I kind of think about challenges and um things has really changed since I've run she jumps, right? So it's it started with like I can do anything. Like, oh yeah, like I I, I can start a nonprofit when I'm twenty two, have no idea like what I'm doing. And and then having that manifest in the outdoor world and vice versa, right? So I think when people are thinking about the outdoors. And again, they're constantly inundated with this idea of like, people are so good. You know, everyone in the world today is so good at everything they do. I mean, you know, there's dogs skateboarding better than you are, you know, good luck. (laughs) I'm just saying like, so I like this idea as far as encouragement for getting outside goes is that, you know, it just starts with one, one decision, right? One adventure, one goal, one thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. And is if it's skiing powder, then that's great. But if you can't always ski powder, it doesn't mean that you're failing at that one thing that makes you tick. So I think it's just all about simplifying and and being almost um, forgiving with yourself about when you can't do something and realizing that that struggle is just going to make the victory of whatever it is that you want and whatever it is that you want to see that much more valuable. And I think more than anything, just trying to watch the sunset every day, you know, getting in touch with nature is not as difficult as it needs to be. Um, and it doesn't always have to include a really long drive or an airplane trip somewhere. Um, and just being outside and being present and realizing that you can have an effect on the environment, I think is something that should hopefully really encourage people and realize that it's the theory of change. If you can be motivated to go on a hike or get involved with a local organization um, either like she jumps or something else, trail building, something like that, you know, you really make a difference and you never know who you're going to inspire. So I think it's all about kind of keeping it simple and realizing that, you know, at any point you can be a beginner and you can always get better at something. So it's just about getting out there and trying. Yeah, very well put. Yeah. And there's nothing more fun than being the beginner at something when you've discovered a passion for something and all you can think about is going getting back out the next time and trying that thing again and, and improving on it and i found so many hobbies and you know and outdoor activities that that i felt like that from and you you almost in a way kind of you're almost saddened when you do get better at something because it's not as much of the discovery that you had in the beginning so so there's not there there's a lot to be said for just getting out there and discovering yeah, absolutely. And you know what's so funny is uh, someone that really inspires me is Rachel Burks. She's in the Pretty Faces movie. She's a professional skier. She's just the most hilarious person you're ever going to meet. But one thing that she said in an interview before I had ever even met her in person was she said, every time I click into my skis, I have the opportunity to get better. You know, just because she's a pro skier doesn't mean that she's not just even that could be anything. Being better doesn't always have to mean being faster or going bigger. You know, you can just be a better person on the mountain, you know, so it's fun. You can always just try and support people and you get so much more out of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Claire, it was a blast to spend an hour with you talking about some free skiing and she jumps. She gave us a lot of information and I hope people will go over to she jumps and sign up for that newsletter. I mean, go to get the newsletter, learn about skiing, 
uh, she jumps and get that big Agnes 25% off. But in doing so, you'll learn about this great organization and maybe get yourself or someone that you know involved in it and uh, inspire them to get out and try something new. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate your time. Have a good evening. Thank you. You as well. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.